Welcome back to another episode of the Iron Pulse Podcast. Today, Kyle and I are going to be discussing resumes. So some do's and don'ts. Um, basically, our personal experience with dealing with resumes. And, you know, as we target other entrepreneurs, everybody writes a resume, right? So like, even if you want to work for yourself, I'm sure you have a resume out there. Um, and it's just because, you know, at one point or another, you've probably applied to a job and or are currently applying to a job. So in, even if you just want to have basically a summation of what you've accomplished on a sheet of paper, then, you know, it's good to have a pretty succinct, compact resume as well. Um, so Kyle, we can kind of get right into it. So give me your take on what are some of the do's that you think people should consider when yeah, I think uh, first and foremost, obviously making sure that all your spelling is good. Um, and then from like a, I guess a um, setup perspective, I would try to have your most recent experience towards the top because you want people to see whether you got maybe promoted or whatever it might be throughout your current role, or your old roles. Um, and then also what you're most recently doing and then have your older experience kind of tailored towards the bottom because, you know, majority of the time, whenever you start your professional career, you're going to have probably a little bit of a mundane role, meaning it's probably not going to be a higher level strategic role. It'll more so be maybe a little bit of busy work here and there and mainly just kind of day-to-day objective tasks. So, you know, having that stuff towards the bottom with your more recent experience towards the top is probably a good way to go because, you know, people are going to read everything from top to bottom. Right. You want to have your most, your most recent experience at the top. Um, and then, so a good, another good thing is don't try to put your whole life on there. Okay. So when it comes to resumes, I mean, people like to think that the rule of thumb is one page, obviously, as you continue your career and you grow, you're going to probably exceed that one page, no matter how short you try to keep everything and drive it home. Um, but also another good point is to tailor it to what you're applying for. So for example, if you're an artist or like a game developer or you're a social media manager, it's probably going to be in your best interest to have a portfolio to show, hey, this is what I can do. Like you're, if you're applying for like a creative field, you're going to want to be creative. And I, I've seen this time and time again from people applying to creative positions because so think about like from a financial standpoint and Kyle, from your standpoint as well, from a logistical standpoint, we drive home how much money we save right? So whether it's hundreds of thousands, millions, millions of dollars, how we improve processes, we talk about things that we implement, things that we create. So everything that we do from a how do we make our business and team more efficient, save time, save save money, that's what we talk to. But from a creative standpoint, it's more of a showing, right? So you want to have this portfolio ready. And I know artists out there, like they have their Behance portfolio. They have their art station portfolio. Like they have all of this stuff um, ready to go and put together. But it's a good thing too, from like a social media standpoint, especially when Kyle and I looked at hiring somebody for social media, like we scan what their results are, like how are they result driven, right? So we take a look at their analytics that they've accomplished from start to where they are now. We take a look at, different pages that they've ran and, and can we see a, you know, cohesive uh, brand message across the images and the text that they provide. So like from our standpoint, cause we've been on both sides, right? So like we've, 
we've obviously applied for jobs and we've obviously, you know, basically interviewed people um, to be a part of the team as well. So from, you know, we're just speaking from our own perspective, but if you have a chance to be visually showing with what you can do, I would say play to that favor. Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, and no, I think that's definitely a good way to go about it. Yeah, you know, and I just want to backtrack a little bit. It's especially when writing a resume, like people want to see, you know, they want they want to be able to read it like so make it simple um but you want to make it very i don't know what the correct term is um result driven i guess right so but but keeping but keeping it simple just real quick because some of the people hiring you cuz usually it's you know two three four people that look at your resume at least they might not necessarily understand what you do in your current role or what you did in your past role. So they need to be, there needs to be like some understanding um, of what you bring to the table, you know, because I'm sure that there are some people on the other end that have read resumes. You might be a great fit for the job, but these people that are reading it might not necessarily understand exactly what they're bringing you on for. And they should, but I'll tell you for smaller teams, they don't necessarily always know, you know, what you're supposed to be doing which is not a good thing, but I'm telling you right now, and it's just because you're going to wear like many hats, right? But not everybody understands. So like if Kyle, for example, Kyle, I looked at Kyle's resume today and, you know, while I saw that he did X, Y, and Z and he, you know, made this process more efficient, he implemented this, saved money here, saved money there. At the end of the day, I don't know necessarily what he does from a logistical standpoint at Nestle. And it would be vice versa. If Kai was reading my uh, my resume, he wouldn't necessarily understand what I'd do either. Um, but, you know, we could be, you know, hiring each other, if that makes sense. So, you know, try to, try to make it simple yet effective. So, Kai, do you want to snowball off of that? Yeah, I think making it simple and effective is definitely a good way to look at it. You want to, you know, any way that you can, and I guess this is also two different perspectives of resumes, right? Like, Cam's in the financial field, whereas I'm in the logistics field and supply chain. So a lot of my bullet points are focused around saving money and reducing time that people spend on doing things. Whereas with Cam's, you know, his might be, you know, forecasting different types of projects. Yeah, I actually don't even really know if I can take a (laughs) guess at what yours would have. But I'm sure that yours would be more about like managing projects and managing finances and like, you know, allocating certain things like because we utilize people in finance all the time trying to understand how much, you know, money we can allocate to a certain project or to a certain process. Like we need someone to tell us how much money we're able to spend so that we can go out and do it. But like you're like, obviously, I guess what I'm trying to say is depending on the field that you're applying for, your resume is going to be different, but you just want to make sure that your resume speaks to that field. So like for mine, for example, I have a lot of different areas where I um, saved money and downtime from plants, you know, that maybe could have had issues producing things and, you know, created processes that saved employees a bunch of time that they would otherwise be doing other things like that stuff is what you'd want to have if you're in supply chain because that helps show that you're reducing costs and making things more efficient but yeah you know, making I, it easy to read and digestible and then maybe also having those key figures highlighted like having numbers um and action driven results like cam mentioned are good to have in there because to cam's point you can't include a bunch of I'll say Nestle knowledge. Like I can't use a bunch of Nestle terms in a resume because nobody who's outside of Nestle would even have any idea of what, what those mean. 
So you have to make it digestible and readable for someone who, if they had no idea what you did, what would they look at your resume and say, you know, I think that that, you know, looks that would work well in our company. Like you have to make it universal almost, I guess. Dude, Lockheed's the same way. Like we have acronyms on acronyms and I'm sure your company's like this too, but we have PowerPoints of acronyms and you know, we have a whole URL. It's like a whole website dedicated to acronyms and it's just, it's unreal. And because, especially because, you know, one acronym might mean like six different things and you just have to basically guess based off of like the context that you've used it in. It's, it's freaking wild, dude. Um, but yeah, yeah. Keep, keep it simple. Definitely try to, to, so getting a job is not easy. It is not easy. You know, you could have the best resume. You could be the best person for the job. But at the end of the day, it's not necessarily up to you because somebody else is looking at your resume, seeing if you'd be a good fit for the company. So with that, like you need to look at the job description and I know like none of us really do this because we kind of just see a job and we apply with the same, you know, the same resume over and over again to all these jobs. We just throw it out there on Indeed on uh, what's the other one like Monster. uh, There's there's a bunch of different places. But anyway, my point to this is maybe it's best to take a look at what the job description is and talk to specifically like how you have, you know, done something similar um, and basically list out what your work experience is based on what the job requirement is and how, like how you've, you want to like retailer it, basically retail your resume to the job description. So then somebody looking at this, somebody, you know, reading your resume is going to be like, okay, well, you know, we're looking for X, Y, and Z. And on this person's resume, they give an example of how they've, you know, basically set up and accomplished X, Y, and Z, right? And I, like I said, you know, do people do that? Some people do. I know that they do. Do do majority of people do that? No, because we just want to apply to as many as we can and hope that one sticks, right? We all do it. It's, but I mean, it took me, I was on Kyle earlier today. I was like, I applied to Lockheed nine or 10 times before I even got an interview. And I got one interview and then, you know, we took it from there. And then, you know, three interviews later, we got, we got it all situated. Um, But I talked to the job description as much as possible. I talked to, you know, what they wanted to see, which was they wanted to see the fact that you could, you know, you could work with a team, but you had that self-motivation. You could do work as an individual as well. Right. Because, I mean, unless you're working for a small startup, um, you know, being able to do every, so like when you're in a startup environment, you're going to be a lot of the times working as an individual. You got to have that self-motivation to go and get it, go and take it. Uh, bigger companies, obviously, you're going to have probably a larger team to work with uh, and they're going to be more spread out. So communication is key for sure. Um, in terms of, you know, I think how you talked a little bit about education uh, I think that education is relevant for maybe until you get like your first your first job, maybe your second job. Um, but then there comes a point in time when, you know, when you're five, six, seven, eight years down the road where what you did in college doesn't even matter. And it shouldn't it shouldn't right, matter right. because you're you're so far out of the game that unless unless of course you're pursuing like a master's or a doctorate degree. Um, then if it's still relevant, then I would keep it on there as well. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, if personally, like if I was going to go apply to a new job right now, you know, we're what kind of three years out of college. Like I would yeah. probably keep it for now, but if I were to land a job somewhere else, that would be it. Because then at this point in time, I have two careers, like two job uh, careers, like basically outside of college that I would have been a part of. Um, and there's no really, there's no need for that anymore. So, you know, you, you need to be able to continue to build your resume to the point where like things start to fall off on the bottom. So for Kyle and I, like college is starting to fall off right now. Right. And because, you know, we'll keep our internships if we both had internships for a little bit longer until we get enough from a actual career standpoint to push those off the bottom. So you got to keep updating it, um, especially now more than ever. I mean, everybody's looking for remote positions, which there's a lot of remote jobs out there. But uh, Kyle, to backtrack a little bit to what you said earlier is, you know, basically proofreading. Spelling and grammar is huge. It is you know, it's, it's very big. Um, and you know, you got to make sure that things are grammatically and, um, you know, you, you can just spell correctly, especially from a business standpoint, people want to see that you can write well, <laughs> if you can't write well, you're gonna be writing emails every day and push is going to push is going to shove whenever you come to the point where you're writing emails for like executives, senior executives. And if you don't know you're theirs, theirs, and they are the differences, uh, you're going to have a rough road rough road. Um, so other than that, Kyle, do you have, let's see, what else uh, are you thinking about over there? Is it in terms uh, of definitely, don'ts? definitely don't lie on your resume. I've heard from, you know, people that interview at Nestle where they'll ask someone about something that was on their resume and they won't be able to speak to it. So, I mean, it's just like silly things like that, that you just really shouldn't do. And it's, only going to hurt you because if you're interviewing for something that maybe you really want, you're going to be pretty nervous about it more than likely. And it's much easier to speak to things that you know about and that you can talk about as opposed to trying to blemish something or make something seem much better than it is. And then when you're asked about it, you can't necessarily remember. Like I've heard stories of people like that that have interviewed at Nestle and, you know, like my coworkers and stuff that have interviewed people, they're like, yeah, you know, you could just tell nothing on their resume like they ever did. So, I mean, like people can tell, so just don't, no sense in lying on something. Just, you know, speak the things you know and that you've done and it'll be much easier. You also sound more confident talking about something that you've done as opposed to something you might be trying to make up. We'll have to do a podcast episode on interviews. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, the biggest thing for me was going into any interview that I did, it was having the mindset of, you know, you can't lose what you don't have. So you're there, you're going to be nervous. I'm sure you'll be nervous, but at the end of the day, you know, you don't have the job yet. So just put yourself in a position to just try to be as normal as possible, right? Try to get the nerves out of the system because you, you can't like my, my thing was, I went into the interview knowing like, okay, this is a conversation, right? I don't have the job. Um, so I have, probably three or four stories and three or four examples that I could talk to and relate to what's on my resume to maybe a few questions that they're going to ask. You're going to have to do your due diligence. Uh, nine times out of 10, people are going to ask, well, why do you want to work for this company? Dude, it's the most basic question ever. Why, why us? And you know, it's kind of annoying <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but you have to prepare yourself as well. So 
we'll talk about that in a different time. But same thing with the resume. You got to prepare yourself on the resume too. It's okay to ask for help. Like you can take a class, you can take a seminar, you can nowadays online, you're going to have somebody on Fiverr write it for you. You know I mean? It's, you could, you could do whatever you want to. Not that I would recommend anybody writes your resume for you. I think that you should be able to write it. If you can't write it, you're not sure as hell not going to be able to talk to it. Um, so, you know, it's, there's a lot of helpful tips and a lot of organization and grammatical and, um, you know, keywords out there. You can Google it that will help you help get you on the right path and stand out. So other than that, Kyle, um, you have anything else that you'd like to toss out here? Um, I don't think so. I think my closing thoughts would be uh, make sure everything is just formatted correctly and that it looks visually appealing. You know, don't have, you know, make sure your fonts are correct. And if you're going to use periods right. at the end of lines, make sure you just keep it consistent. Don't have floating periods around everywhere. And yeah, just make sure it looks visually appealing as well. Yeah, don't go crazy with all these fonts. Unless, okay, unless, again, you're in a creative, a creative standpoint yeah. where you, you know, you need to add that flair to it um, in order to be seen, um, you know. But, yeah, to Kyle's point is at the end of the day, people still need to be able to read it. And they need to be able to get through the full thing without losing interest without their eyes hurting, them getting a headache because they're looking at 12 different fonts, horrible grammar, horrible uh, spelling. Um, Kyle, one last thing that we didn't really touch on, but cover letters. So a lot of places nowadays, they make it optional. Um, I know a few places use it as a the first level of screening saying that if you're not willing to go above and beyond and, you know, fill in the optional cover letter, then you're probably not going to make it in the company uh, because that means that you're going to do the bare minimum and you're not going to do anything else above that. So, you know, if there's an option to write a cover letter, write a cover letter. And, you know, it's, again, it's a, I, we all hate it. I know we all hate it, um, but it's an opportunity to basically express yourself to, and, you know, a couple paragraphs, you're not really writing bullet points for a cover letter, but it's just, it's just to help aid you. Like all of this is to help aid you and benefit you for applying for this position. So, right. I know you hate cover letters too. I hate them, <laughs> but yeah, it's just one. Well, yeah. You just got to get used to writing a bunch of them. You can, what you can do is you can almost have like a template one and have certain sentences that maybe tie into the description or the job description that you're specifically applying for so that, you know, it at least kind of mitigates how much you have to retype. But yeah, but it, um, yeah, I mean, you know, every cover letter is going to have to be tied specifically to the job that you're applying for. So you want to add little tidbits about, you know, the company and the role that you're applying for. So exactly. You want to make it, you want to make it different enough to the point where somebody reading it is going to not think, okay, this is just, they just changed my name. They just changed the job title and they just changed the company here, here, and here. Right. Right. Like these people on the other end, they're smart that you, you know how many resumes they've probably read through a lot, right? Thousands, tens of thousands. So they're going to look at your cover letter and be like, all right, yeah, John Smith here just decided to change three words. 
Okay, so yeah, you, to Kyle's point is it's it's okay to use similarities between cover letters, but they have to be distinguished enough from job to job that the person doesn't think that you're just copying and pasting. So we can end it there. Um, this is probably one of our longer episodes we've done in a while, but I think we could close it there. So yeah, keep it, keep it succinct, use action words, use keywords. That's another thing too. We haven't even, we didn't even talk about the whole um, back end of how people search for resumes. They search using keywords. So, you know, if you're applying for, like I said, a specific job, match up the keywords because they use filters on the, the back end. So, Kyle, do you have anything else on that note? Uh, no. Awesome. Well, we appreciate everybody taking the time to listen. We hope that you found value in this episode. Feel free to use some of these uh, tips that we just laid out for you. Come be a part of Envision Nation Discord. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Pinterest at Official Iron Pulse. Don't worry if you prefer email, we've got you covered. You can still subscribe to the Iron Pulse Report by visiting shopironpulse.com. And remember, no matter what you do, be all in.